Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Janine, host of the Olive Magazine podcast. Every week on the podcast, we welcome guests from the world of food and drink to share their stories. Recently, we've been learning about the magic of sourdough from bread expert Vanessa Kimball, chatting to revolutionary chef Josh Nyland, who practices fish butchery, and getting recommendations for the best places to eat and drink in Andalucia from Spanish cooking legend Jose Pizarro. There are over 180 episodes of the Olive Magazine podcast to discover, so come and find us on your favourite podcast platform. Hello and welcome to the BBC Good Food Favourite Recipes podcast with me, Miriam Nice. Don't worry, Tom Kerridge will be back in the podcast chair in March, but until then I'll be your host of this bonus eight-episode series all about our favourite recipes. I'll be talking to Good Food's team of experts and most importantly, hearing from you. What's your desert island bake? If you could have only one cake for the rest of your life, what would it be? As one of our most popular recipes with 1,863 ratings and five stars, could it be the lemon drizzle cake? Is it your favourite too, or in your top 10? Here to talk cakes and all things baking, I've got food editor Cassie. Hi. And cookery assistant and former pastry chef Liberty. Hi. And last but by no means least, fielder of your queries, Nadia. Hi. So before we talk about lemon drizzle cake, Nadia, what baking questions have we been sent this week? So we asked you guys and you came up with some brilliant questions. The first one is from Anne Cook English School and she wants to know, how do I stop fruit from sinking to the bottom of my cakes? Oh, I always think it's quite simple, really. If it's dried fruit you're adding to the cake, if you just cover it lightly with flour and just like toss it gently and... Um, tip away any excess that'll stop it sinking behind do you know why Cass though I, I think it why. comes down to the density of the cake batter mm-hmm. and the weight of the fruit so if you've got quite a thin cake batter and you know glacé cherries or something quite heavy they're, they're obviously going to sink as um, the cake cooks so it's just getting those um, quantities right really so you need a thick enough batter to hold the fruit as it bakes right the next question is from the names Bates. They want to know, how do you make a cake light and fluffy? Mine always goes flat with self-raising flour and baking powder. First, I'd say check the dates on your self-raising flour because it's amazing how quickly it goes out of date and lots of people, you know, Mm -hmm. including myself, um, end up with bags of uh, self-raising flour or baking powder, which is out of date. So check the dates. um, And if you're you're using uh, self-raising flour or baking powder, then you should be able to get a good rise. If you're using plain flour with baking powder, then you want about a teaspoon to every 100 grams, yeah, I'd say. Yeah, normally go for something like that. And also you don't need, you shouldn't technically need baking powder with self-raising flour. It's good to add that little bit of extra oomph, but sometimes if you add too much baking powder with your self-raising flour, um, it could be too much, which is why it will probably sink. Yeah, and also don't open the oven door before. Oh, yeah. um, you know, you want to leave it in for I'd say three quarters at least of what the recipe says um, if not more and then if you are if you need to check it quickly Mm -hmm. open the oven door I 
most recipes say to poke a skewer in the middle um, but I think the fir- the easiest check you can do initially is just to give the tin a little a wobble. wobble yeah because yeah, you, then you, straight away you can see if it's still slightly mm-hmm. wobbly in the middle then the cake hasn't set and yeah. cooked properly and that will cause it to sink obviously so Absolutely. do the wobble test mm-hmm. um, if it looks nice and firm and risen and golden then pop a skewer into the middle and the skewer should come out nice and clean yeah. to show that it's cooked if not if it's a little bit sticky or moist then just pop the cake back in for another five to ten minutes and then check nice. again yeah I'm always so impatient with opening the oven door yeah always, I had to clean my oven door the other day because I couldn't actually see through it to see <laughs> if it had risen so yeah top tip clean yeah your oven. that's so key though don't um be too hasty with checking the cake try and leave it in for as long as possible before you check it Tracy Sutton 28 would like to know how she can stop a large cake from cooking unevenly what do you guys think I think probably put it in the middle shelf and make sure it's not too high or too low in the oven and also cover it with foil halfway through. It will stop it browning on the top and um, help it have an even cooking in the inside. Yeah, I think most large cakes as well, you want to cook them at a bit of a lower um, temperature, so a longer, lower cook rather than, um, you know, 180 um, is what I'd, I'd normally cook. Um, like a standard kind of sponge app but maybe think about lowering that to 170, 160 follow the recipe obviously because that that will be a tested recipe but I think that's key because otherwise you're going to have a a burnt outside to the cake and an uncooked middle so yeah you just need to lower the temperature a little bit Yeah and also with fruit cakes if you cover the outside with some newspaper or some paper it will help it stop from browning on the outside Okay brilliant And last but not least, a question on everyone's lips. How do you get the perfect cookie that's crunchy on the outside and soft on the inside? And that one is from Alfreda underscore HRV. I think it comes down to cooking. So um, you want that perfect, you want to time it perfectly so that you've got a nice crisp edge and it's almost slightly undercooked still in the middle because when you remove it from the oven, it will continue to cook. So when you check them, they still almost need to look a a little bit doughy and undercooked in the middle and that's how you'll get a nice soft squidgy middle. Um, I don't know, how do you get your cookie sauce and cheese? I had a debate with Barney from our cookery team about this because he's just written a recipe soon to come in the mag about the most, the ultimate chocolate chip cookie and he said to use um, browned butter so I did some research and I found that it wasn't actually the browning of the butter but it was the fact that it was melted so if you use melted butter in your cookies it a little bit of science view it um, basically separates the fat and the water molecules and so when they're melted the elastic bonds can film, um, form with the flour more which creates a more chewy cookie Oh, I love the science yeah, behind it. Yeah, call me Albert Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> so Instagram user Georgia Hills asked, can I reduce sugar without ruining texture? Do you guys have any tips? Oh, I've done a lot of reading about this just because um trying to eat a bit more healthily. And I found that the general gist is that you can reduce the sugar in a creamed cake by about 25% before it alters the texture, which I found really, really interesting. Cassie, do you have any other tips? Yeah, I think that's probably about right, I'd say. So you can reduce the sugar without um, it making too much, uh, without it having too much of an impact. But it's just worth bearing in mind that the sugar um, creates a structure within the cake when it's baked and creamed with the butter. So you do need a certain amount of sugar in there and you will sacrifice the texture of the cake if you reduce it too much. Um, so it's not just there for, for sweetness. You do need it for the structure of the cake as well. 
cake. And that's a, when you're saying a creamed cake, that's when you beat the um, sugar and the butter at the beginning yeah. and then add the other ingredients as opposed to the ones where you whisk in all the ingredients at once. Yeah, you, right? yeah exactly. exactly. Yeah. So that's everything. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank Thanks you. for those, Nadia. Is lemon drizzle cake in your top 10, Nadia? Definitely. Top top three, I'd say. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cassie, what about you? Yeah, definitely. It's it's a really nostalgic bake for me. I remember um, coming home from school, my mum will have often baked a lemon drizzle cake, real classic lemon drizzle, and we'd always eat it warm with a drizzle of um, single cream, and it was just heaven. I your, just loved it. Your mum sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> she is. She's fab. <laughs> Liberty, lemon drizzle fan? Yeah, it's in the top five, at least. Yeah, I love a lemon drizzle. Few. It'd be bad yeah. if there was like a hater. Oh, yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> Miriam, is it in your top ten? <laughs> yes, definitely. And I think warm, like fresh, lemon yeah. drizzle yeah. is like you know. warm with cream. Or it, ice you've cream. got to try it warm with cream yeah. if you haven't. It's so good. I've never thought about having it with cream or ice cream. There we are, another thing that I haven't tried. <laughs> <laughs> it just cuts through the acidity. You know, you've got like that ni- nice, crisp, sharp um, topping on the lemon drizzle, and then like a cool, neutral cream. It's just it pairs so well together. I love it. If anyone hasn't had it, Cassie, can you just walk us through this recipe? Yeah, so um, a classic lemon drizzle cake is um, your basic sponge with equal ratios of uh, butter, sugar, flour, self-raising flour, and eggs. Um, so you can, yeah, you can do that in different quantities with different size tins, obviously. But if you're um, going to use a two-pound loaf tin, so 900-gram loaf tin, then uh, you want to use about 175 grams of butter and caster sugar. I like to use golden caster sugar because it just gives it a little bit more of a caramelly flavour. Um, and then 175 grams of self-raising flour and four eggs. I also like to use a... Um, tablespoon or two of yogurt in mine I think it gives it a really nice texture but that's not classic and lemon zest obviously lots of lemon zest and what makes it a drizzle is that topping okay yeah so I need to talk about the drizzle as well <laughs> that's the most important bit keep it um so when you remove the um loaf cake from the oven while it's still warm you want to just pop some holes in the top so I just use a skewer and poke some holes in and that just allows the lemony drizzle to soak into the sponge um, easily and then I just use a mixture of lemon juice and caster sugar or even granulated sugar if you like it a bit more crunchy uh, mixed together and just spoon that all over um, and the more the better I think I think it should be really saturated in that lovely lemony syrup and then yeah just leave it to soak in for a little while and if you're like me you can serve it warm with some cream why does the cake have to be warm when you put the drizzle on I think it just helps to absorb um, the the syrup a little bit easier. If you put it on when it's cold, I think the syrup will just run off the sides a little bit more. And Liberty, once you've got the recipe right, are there any other flavours you might suggest for a drizzle cake? Oh, for a drizzle cake, you can u- literally use any citrus. So we did a really lovely one with blood orange. You can really use anything. And then to add something to the lemon drizzle, you could add pistachios and rose and anything you want really to add a bit of colour to the top of it. Be really lovely. I think a lime drizzle cake is really nice as well and you can go a bit exotic, maybe put some coconut in there, like some desiccated coconut in the batter. Yeah, even really like nice. a pina colada, yeah. add some rum to it. Delicious. And what's the secret to a really light sponge and that crisp topping, Liberty? Just to make sure that you beat your um, cu- um, butter and sugar together really, really thoroughly till it's light and fluffy because that will add some more air into it and also to get some air into the sponge you should sieve your flour just to make sure that you've got all the steps right and thoroughly done and not to overmix it will help it be really really light 
Great. And if somebody wanted to make it without um, eggs or dairy, Cassie, you're a pretty good specialist at baking without eggs. Would you have any advice for that? Yeah, so um, you could leave the eggs out. You can use an egg replacer for something like a sponge cake. So if you mix some ground flax seeds with some water um, and leave that to soak for a couple of minutes, then you get the kind of same gloopy um, effect of an egg and it's got binding properties. So that will help the the sponge have a bit more structure. So you can definitely do egg free. Um, If you wanted to do it dairy free, you could just swap the butter for a dairy free spread. It's an easy alternative. We um, have a li- really lovely recipe on the website that uses oil mm. instead of butter as well. That people have even written in little cards to us to say how amazing our lemon drizzle yeah. cake was. I've it's used that it's a vegan lemon drizzle cake, isn't it? And I've used that actually for um, one of my daughter's birthday cakes a couple of years ago, and it's really, really good. It's got quite a lot of water in it, which is interesting, um, but it, it works really well. And any advice for gluten free, Liberty, if you're making a gluten free cake? Yes. So what I tend to add to my gluten-free baking is xanthan gum. I don't technically know the science behind it, but it works <laughs> it really works. well. So if anyone can help me out with that. <laughs> anyone know why xanthan gum? I don't know the science, great? but I, um, yeah, xanthan gum is really good. I think it has the same effect as um, flaxseed eggs. So it, it has like a binding property, which gives it structure. Um, I also, if I'm doing a gluten-free cake, tend to swap half the flour for ground almonds um, because I find that gluten-free cakes sometimes can lack a bit of um, moisture so I think almonds just add that back in. Um, Loads of tips so thank you so much and can we talk a bit more about baking generally seeing as I've got two cake specialists (laughs) why do cakes sink Cassie first do you? Well the main reason a cake would sink would be that you've taken it out of the oven before it's fully cooked Um, so as we said earlier, just try to avoid opening the oven door before it is properly cooked and set. You want that structure to set before you open the oven door. Um, also, sometimes if it's got too much raising agent in in the batter, then what can happen is the um, batter can rise up really quickly, but then the air that's being created can't, the bubbles can't support all that air, um, so it just sinks back down again. So if you, you know, were using a self-raising flour and then added additional baking powder, a little bit would be fine. But if you added too much, sometimes that can cause the cake to sink as well. And a cake is browning well on top, but isn't cooked all the way through. What should someone do, Livesey? To help your cake not brown on top, but cook on the inside, if you cover it with a bit of foil just over the top of the cake and maybe put it on a lower shelf, it will help it cook on the inside and not get too brown on top. I think also everyone's ovens work differently. So once you get to know your oven, you'll know where the hot spots are and just avoid them if you can. Yeah, some people's are hotter on the bottom. Yeah. It's awfully confusing. Right. And an overflowing cake, this sometimes happens. Yeah, that just means you've got too much um, batter for the size of tin. So... Um, if, it, if you're midway through baking and that happens, then there's not that much you can do to rectify it, scoop some of the batter out and continue cooking, I guess. Um, but that's something you'll learn with time and just try not to overfill your cake tin. So even if you've got um, enough batter to fill a cake tin right to the top, just don't use all the batter. Just use it in um, a cup, in a muffin tin instead. You want to look to only ever fill it by, three, uh, by two thirds. That's a good tip. Tins then, does the cake tin that you use matter, Liberty, or like shaking? <laughs> I think it does sometimes. I tend to find that if you line your tin with some parchment paper up further past the sides so it's a bit higher than your actual tin, that will allow for 
if you've misjudged the quantities and you've added a bit much, it will help it support the cake when it rises. Um, but tin size does vary on cooking time and cooking temperature because if it's a narrower tin, like a loaf tin, it will need more time than if it was a wider sponge yeah I think that's a really good point because also with loaf tins they come in um, a quantity measurement so a 900 gram or a 900 gram or a two pound loaf tin but sometimes they're different shapes and sizes so you might get a really long thin one or a shorter fatter one but they'll both be a 900 gram loaf tin so you, you just need to use a little bit of common sense if that's the case if you've got a longer thinner tin then it may be that it needs less time in the oven Okay, and quite a few of the recipes will say something additional. It won't just say cook it for 25 minutes or something. It'll say cook it or until. Yeah. The skewer test was quite a good one that you exactly. mentioned. Exactly. So just use your senses. Um, have a peek through the oven door if you can before opening. It should obviously be nice and risen and golden before you open the oven door. And then, as we said earlier, do the shake test and then the skewer test. Perfect. And do you have to line a cake tin, Liberty? So I normally do, but I, there have been occasions where I've run out of parchment paper um, or any non-stick silicon paper. So I have done it without and just greased it really heavily and it does come out. But I feel like it doesn't rise as well if you don't line around the sides of a tin, depending on how much mixture you're putting in. I think it's a bit like a souffle, isn't it? Like you have to butter a souffle dish or prepare the dish um, for the recipe to make the souffle rise. Um so yeah, I think preparing the tin is really important. But also bunt tins, I mean, obviously you can't line those. So there are some tins that you'll come across which are really beautiful and have intricate designs and there's no way you can line yeah. them. So we just had, oh, sorry, we had <laughs> literally as I was coming downstairs to film this, we had a nightmare in the test kitchen where a cake wouldn't come out of the bunt tin and we've literally rectified the situation as of about five minutes ago by making a little paste with butter. Um, and some flour and then greasing the bunt tin and it helped it come out of oh, the tin perfectly. Oh, that's interesting. Because, yeah, bunt tins are tricky. Sometimes the cake comes out perfectly and sometimes they don't. And I think it comes down to the actual batter mixture a lot of the time. So uh, if you're using a chocolate chocolate cake batter, which is oil-based, I think they'll cu- it comes out much easier from a bunt tin than a butter-based cake. Um, so mm, watch out for the bunt tins they can be a bit tricky yes, tricky tricky one yeah. and these are like the, the big cake tins with a hole in the middle and sometimes they've got like intricate kind of like jelly moulds yeah you can get patterns. really beautiful ones with different um, designs but because they're so beautiful and intricate they, they can be fiddly and cakes can stick sometimes so also when you're lining your cake tins it's really good to use recyclable parchment which is what we use in the test kitchen which works really well yeah, and you can also buy um, silicone liners now. So that just comes in a sheet and then you can cut it to size to fit your cake tins. And each time you use it, you can just wash it and reuse it. So I found they're really useful as well. You can get them also in different shapes. So you don't have to bother cutting them around Ooh, the tin. Oh, handy. Yeah, save the faff. <laughs> Any more tips on stopping the cake from sticking? Well, we found that in the test kitchen, you can um, mix some flour and oil together to line, especially bunt tins. Um, 
And yeah, Cassie, do you have any other tips? I think that's um, the classic way to line a tin, isn't it? So um, people used to line the tins with a mixture of oil and flour and that will prevent it from sticking. And like you say, it's especially useful for bunt tins or cake tins, which are difficult to get into all the, d- the different um, kind of crevices and if it's got a pretty design, then it's harder to um, grease it sometimes. But yeah, a mixture of flour and oil can just prevent that. You don't need to mix it. You mix the two together, or you put the oil in, and then. So I would brush it with oil and then dust it with flour. I don't know if you've done it differently. Yeah, you can also make it into a paste to mix them both together, and then brush it around the tin as well. Oh, brilliant! I didn't know that. Fab. Still to come on the podcast. Can I just butt in here with a quick story about Liberty when she um. She made a cake for a friend, but instead of doing a practical cake like what you're suggesting, Miriam, she made a massive cake. I was helping her to the tube, <laughs> opening every door for her. She bumped into many people and it was a very stressful time. Right, right. your cake survived. <laughs> Great stuff. Okay, I want to know a little bit more about the cakes you've made. Liberty, what's the biggest cake you've ever made? The biggest quantity of cakes I've ever made. Um, I have many a baking tale, but I used to work in the House of Commons and um, we basically served a lot of Christmas puddings over the holiday season and we would start in the summer making tiny individual Christmas puddings in tiny little ramekins and having to cook them, bake them, steam them, demold them. And we must have made about a thousand fruit duration of August to December and when it was over I think we were all nearly in tears so yep (laughs) can't look at a Christmas pudding ever again never the Christmas (laughs) season came around and I would just cry every time I saw one yeah it was a delightful time but I never wanted to make a Christmas pudding after I left ever again Cassie, what's the biggest? Uh, well, I mean, I've made a few wedding cakes, but nothing on that scale. <laughs> I'd say a four-tier wedding cake is the biggest I've done. Wow. So that was that was for 120 people. Goodness me! That was my sister's wedding cake. Yeah, it's a bit of an ordeal, isn't it? it really is. <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah. labour of love making a cake that big. So is that perhaps the best cake you've ever made? Do you think? Oh, the best cake yeah. I've ever made. That's another question. Um, no, I think for me, the best cakes are the more simple ones, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, like a lovely lemon drizzle cake. I did a recipe last year for um, Good Food, which was a brownie meringue raspberry ripple cake, which was just like out of this world delicious. Um, so that's probably up there. That cake was delicious. It was, it yeah, was so incredible. It was really tasty and really easy. Um so yeah, I think I, I, I that actually doesn't sound very simple, does it? <laughs> but it is, I promise. It's very simple to make. But the the more simple cakes are my favourite rather than the big tiered um, iced cakes, you know. Okay, and worst cake you've ever made? Oh, oh. So <laughs> when I first started at Good Food, like nine years ago now, um, I started as a recipe tester and I was testing a lovely cake for our then food editor, and for some reason. It said four tablespoons of salt. And me being new and not naive, I I just thought, okay, I'm going to go along with it. I'm not going to question her because she knows what she's doing. I put four tablespoons of salt in it. And obviously it was a mistake on the recipe, which I should have picked up, but it was revolting. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> but when we retested it, it is an absolute delicious cake. But yeah, this is why we test. Yeah. It is why we test recipes. <laughs> you know, you have that common sense, and I should just listen to my common sense. But I didn't. I just <laughs> went against it. No, you don't want to doubt them. No. no. And liberty, your best and worst. Don't ask. Oh, okay. Worst. Um. I used to work at a little cafe and it was, I mean, it was a wonderful way of using up waste, but they used to freeze leftover scones and leftover cakes um, that were just about to go dry or that they didn't want anymore. And then they would use that to crumble over the top of fruits and they'd have like a shortbread base fruit and then they'd crumble this leftover cake on top of it and then bake that in the oven to act as a crumble which was a great way of using up the leftover sponges but it was very questionable oh <laughs> just tastes a bit strange it did yes <laughs> but the customers did not care <laughs> interesting and the, the best cake you made oh um i've made a few wedding cakes um i really loved making um i made a lovely wedding cake for um Georgie on our web team in the summer, which was really special to do. It was a lovely special occasion. But I think the best cake, um, not necessarily cake, but the best um, sweet item I learned at Catering College was to make individual chocolates. And so I would spend weeks on end in what we like to call the chocolate laboratory. And we would just spend so many days making chocolates and you would be covered your chef whites would be brown because you'd just be covered in chocolate but that was one of my favorite things to do so yeah making chocolates definitely from from scratch from scratch tempering the chocolate and everything yeah incredible I'm going to give you a bit of a quick fire round. Cassie's looking scared of this. I'm going to list some of our most popular cakes and I want to know whether you would serve them with coffee, so like a morning thing, uh, with afternoon tea, so part of a spread with sandwiches, or for pudding. Okay. Ready? Okay. Yeah. Right. Yes. Right. Um, lemon drizzle cake, tea, coffee, or as pudding? Tea. Tea, absolutely. Carrot cake? Uh, coffee. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, probably tea. I don't know whether I'd have many cakes of Okay. Fab. Victoria sandwich. Tea. Tea. No brainer. <laughs> Pineapple upside down cake. Ooh. What was the last option? Tea, coffee or? Put as pudding. So you can oh, have a bit of ice cream uh, on it or some cream or something. Hmm. Can I say a pina colada? You can say <laughs> right. And it's not on my lip. I will allow it. <laughs> Thank you, Miriam. I think pudding maybe with a bit of custard. Great. Uh, New York cheesecake. Pudding. Coffee. Oh, you guessed it. I know. I thought I'd. I think I'm with you. Coffee. I think I have coffee. Fruitcake. Tea. Yeah, tea. I was thinking maybe warm with black pudding, but no, I'm not the biggest fruitcake fan anyway. Sorry. I like a bit of of fruitcake with cheese. Oh, yeah. Have it with cheese. Yeah. Black forest gasso. Pudding. Pudding. And banana bread. Coffee. Pudding warmed with some ice cream. Yeah, so I, th- I think banana bread and carrot cake, uh, you have them kind of mid-afternoon. I guess that's when you have afternoon tea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have had carrot cake and banana bread at 9am in the office when I've been Ooh, testing yeah. it. Banana so bread is a great breakfast, actually, now you say that. Yeah. Mm, that's probably a good shout. Breakfast, I changed my, changed my answer. <laughs> yeah, Cake for breakfast is a daily thing. Yeah. A good food. And I've got some scenarios now. I want you to tell me the best cakes for these scenarios. Okay. Best cake for a bake sale? Or a tray bake, like a bake well slice. Brownie. Uh, it's your best mate's birthday, 
right? But it's on a Friday night and you're going to see them in the evening and you don't have time to go home between work and the party. Oh, I love the details <laughs> no, going into it. these. I thought about this Okay, one. so you have to make something Thursday night, take it to work and then present it to them on okay, the so Friday. Okay, something you can transport as well. Yes. Hmm, okay. Um, Liberty, you go. Yes. Um... I'd say brownie. I know yeah. it's already been used, but the brownie would yeah. be like maybe if blondie. You could store it Let's in the fridge. Up. You could do like an eat a mess because it wouldn't matter if you. That's got not it a mess. cake. I know, but <laughs> something sweet. I'd... It's a difficult <laughs> question, Miriam. <laughs> I need to mess with the meringue. Would all dissolve. That's you true. can't have that. Ignore me. Please. <laughs> Can I just butt in here with a quick story about Liberty when she um, she made a cake for a friend that she brought in from home and she made the night before, but instead of doing a practical cake like what you're suggesting, Miriam. Him. she made a massive cake that she had to take on the tube she had no spare hands <laughs> I was helping her to the tube opening every door for her she bumped into many people and it was a very stressful time right the cake survived <laughs> what cake did you make? Um, I made a like a four-tiered ginger biscuit cake for my friend that was in a show brought it to stage door and they were like sorry, who do you want to give this to? So it nearly didn't make it to her, but it did, and it was all fine. <laughs> Amazing. That's so elaborate, a four-tier cake. <laughs> and then they didn't even have time to eat it at the show, oh, so no. she had to bring it all the way home with her. <laughs> Brilliant. Excellent. Great mm. commitment. And the best cake to win a baking competition with? Oh, okay, so it's got to be a good all-rounder. Um, some kind of Victoria sponge of some description, I'd say. Maybe flavour it with, you know, something, give it a twist. So some yeah. lemon curd or um, nice blackberry jam or something like that. Yeah, people normally do style over substance. So make something that tastes great as well as yeah. fancy. Sounds like a really good classic or something. Yeah, I think so. Great tips. Oh, that's all we've got time for today. So thank you so much. And join us next time. We'll be talking about chilli con carne. Don't forget, you can find the recipes that we've been talking about in videos so you can see how to make the lemon drizzle cake perfectly. That's on our website. And you can find all of that information at bbcgoodfood.com slash feature slash podcast. Thanks very much. And uh, see you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the BBC Good Food Favourite Recipes podcast. Join us again next time when we'll be discussing more of your favourite recipes. If you want to cook along to the podcast, go to bbcgoodfood.com slash feature slash podcasts. Like and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or Acast to make sure you never miss an episode. See you next time.